I can invite you to remain standing. Our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Jesus said this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. morning. Before I begin, I just wanted to take a minute and thank those who came yesterday to help with the work day. Um, we got a lot done, and of course there's always more to do. If anyone has some free time and would like to come by, um, I'd be happy to give you a job. But it went well, and my gosh, what a blessing yesterday was. The weather was so wonderful compared to uh, the lovely wind we've had this week. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our journey through the season of Lent. This season we've been looking at the amazing grace of God as we have seen it lived out and offered to different individuals in the Bible. Last week we looked at the Apostle Paul and we saw how God's grace trumped all of the things that Paul had done in trying to dispel the message of Jesus and the message of his resurrection. If you go and you read Paul's letters, Paul writes these words of himself where he basically says, I consider myself the worst, but Christ offered me grace and Christ equipped him to be one of the greatest apologists and evangelists that the world has ever known. This morning we're going to be continuing on this path of grace as we look at Jesus' entry into Jerusalem with his disciples, where people gathered along the road and where they welcomed him by shouting Hosanna and placing their cloaks and their palm branches on the road in front of him. In their action, what they were doing was fulfilling the words of the prophet Zechariah. If you look at Zechariah 9, chapter 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so as he entered Jerusalem, no one but Jesus knew the events that were going to unfold. None of the disciples really had any idea of what was about to occur, and none of them knew what they were about to witness. They didn't know because they just didn't get it. You know, it was too far-fetched, the things that he had been telling them, I think, for it really to register to them that what Jesus had been warning them would happen was actually going to happen. In John 3, Jesus said to them, I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. Then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. 
So they'd heard Jesus give them this message. They've heard Jesus compare himself as the Son of Man to the snake that Moses lifted in the wilderness when the people had been bitten by the poisonous snakes. And and if you'll remember, as they were dying, God told Moses, take their gold, craft a snake. Anyone whose eyes look upon the snake will be healed. And so Moses is saying that he is the same. Or Jesus is saying is that he is the same as the snake of Moses. That whoever looks at him as he is hanging on the cross, life will be changed, salvation will be offered to them, and forgiveness will be extended to them. But they didn't have a clue. The disciples didn't get it. Even as Jesus entered Jerusalem in the fashion that Zechariah had foretold, even as Jesus entered Jerusalem in the way that Isaiah and the other prophets had said they were to look for, it still didn't connect. And so this morning as we're thinking about grace and the grace that we have been given, I want to invite you to think a little bit today about the Apostle Peter. Peter, as you all know, is often regarded as the lead disciple of Jesus as well as one of the great leaders of the Christian faith following the ascension of Jesus. Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus chose, and he often represented the disciples and voiced the questions that I'm sure many of them wanted to often ask of Jesus, but were afraid to do so. If you look at some of the most significant times of Jesus' ministry, where we see where God has chosen him, where God has um, indicated who he was or affirmed who he was, often Peter is included in those instances. Whether it's Jesus going to the the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, or whether it's some of these other things, like going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter is there. Peter is there. Peter was often given the opportunity to witness the amazing grace and the amazing acts of God through Jesus Christ, even as he didn't always get it. But yet, even as he didn't get it, And even as we'll see and we'll remember in a little bit as he denied Jesus three times, he is still a recipient of the grace of God as it's offered to him through Jesus Christ. So one of the most well-known stories of Peter comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew 14, uh, Jesus approaches the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. They've set out on a boat to uh, cross the water. And as they're going, uh, Jesus walks on the water toward him, them. And you all know this story. Peter asks Jesus, if it is you, let me walk out on the water toward you. And what does Jesus say? He says, come. And so Peter walks on the water until he allows his, date, uh, his doubt, until he allows his, his fear to begin to overcome who he is. To begin to overcome what he is doing and to begin to cloud his thought and his focus and everything else and so he begins to sink and so peter is sinking in the water he's sinking in his doubt he's sinking in his fear he's sinking in his faith when jesus reaches out to him and pulls him from the water you know peter if you think about it in many ways is representative of all the disciples in this story including us. When our faith is overcome by our fear and by our uncertainties, when crises arise 
And when we begin to focus more on those things that, that we can, cannot control than those things that God already has under control, we're like Peter, aren't we? Where we've been invited to walk out on the water, where we've been invited to place our hope, our trust, our faith, everything in God and in Jesus. But instead, like Peter, we begin to focus on the doubt and the fear and question the faith that's around us. But see, even as Peter did this, here's the amazing thing that I think we need to lift up this morning and recognize. Is that the grace of God comes to those that are fearful. And so just like Peter, Jesus reaches out and catches us. He meets us where we are and he pulls us from where we are at. And by his grace, he leads us closer to him. And so if you look in Luke's gospel, there's a little, uh, we can look at, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry with Peter. Peter's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's washing his nets. They haven't caught any fish that day. <clears throat> and Peter receives an unimaginable grace. When Jesus comes to him and tells him and his brother Andrew, put out into the deep water and let out your nets. Folks, I don't know about you, but I think Peter was thinking, what are you saying? Or whatever words you want to put in Peter's mind as uh, Jesus tells him to do this, and then him and Andrew actually acted on it and went and did it. How would this man, Jesus, know more about fishing than those who spent every night on the Sea of Galilee? How would this man, who was a carpenter, know more about going out into the water each and every day and letting down their nets and seeing what kind of catch they could do? But rather than question Jesus, Peter went. And so him and his brother put onto the Sea of Galilee, they lowered their nets, and they caught so many fish that the nets were strained and were beginning to break. And it's in this encounter that Peter recognizes who Jesus was, while also recognizing how insufficient he was to be in the presence of Jesus himself. And so the scripture tells us that Peter ran out of the boat and he knelt before Jesus and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter recognized that even in the presence of Jesus, he was in the presence of God. And he didn't understand initially the level of depth or, or of grace or of sacrifice that, that Jesus was going to offer to all who followed him. But Peter saw who Jesus was. He saw who Jesus was, not knowing the cost of what it would mean to follow him, not knowing what that would entail for him, not knowing the traje trajectory or the direction that that would place on his life. But Peter accepted the grace and accepted the love of Jesus. And this is the same gift that Jesus has offered to each of us as we accept and as we participate in our relationship with him. And so Jesus tells Peter, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. If only we could live fully into those words that Jesus offers to us. He tells Peter and the others that they're no longer to dwell in their fears. They're to trust in him. That uh, their fears are going to lead them to sinking. Their fears are going to lead them to, to going down a different path. But Jesus tells Peter, do not fear. 
And because of his faith in him, Peter is the one who gives us the affirmation of who the disciples believed Jesus was when they said, when he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. This is the same statement of faith that our faith is built on, isn't it? If you think of the Apostles' Creed, if you think of the Nicene Creed, if you think of the Athanasian Creed, if you think of all of the different creeds of faith, there is a basic statement of faith that all of our faiths are built upon. Where we confess and where we testify who we believe, where we confess and where we testify who Jesus is. That he's the son of God. And it's us making that confession that grants us forgiveness and freedom from our sin. It's us making that confession where we're released from our guilt. It's us making that confession where the future before us, the doors are thrown open. And we're offered more than we could ever imagine, which is eternal life through Christ statement that Jesus was a good person but what it is is it's us confessing and acknowledging that our salvation our forgiveness our very existence comes from our confession that Jesus is the Messiah the very son of the living God and so it's after making this confession that we end up tonight today in our scripture that we've read today Peter and the disciples have have entered uh, Jerusalem with Jesus. They've witnessed so much. They have seen so much. They have heard so much. Peter has walked on water. Uh, He has experienced and participated in the feeding of the... Peter has seen demons cast out. He has watched Jesus still the wind and the waves with just a word. He has heard. He has seen. He has done more than you and I could ever imagine. Yet he still doesn't comprehend... Where he's sitting tonight, today, not tonight, it's nighttime, but he's sitting there with the disciples in the upper room. They've shared the Passover feast. Jesus has broken the bread. He has blessed the cup. He shared it with them. He's given these gifts as a way to celebrate and to remember who he was. And even after he's done this, Jesus tells the disciples, you have to be the least in order to be the greatest. He says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They still didn't get it. Grace being given in bread and juice, a message to be greatest that they must be the least, Peter, who has confessed, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, still didn't get it. None of the disciples bid, which is why Jesus in our scripture today has to tell Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded that he, to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. You hear what Jesus is saying to Peter? He's saying, I know what you're about to do. 
I know the questions you're about to have. I know the weaknesses that you are about to experience. But I also want you to know that I'm protecting you and you're going to come back. And in coming back, you're going to act and live in such a way that others are going to be strengthened. Now, Peter doesn't get it because he says, let me go with you to, to uh, both prison and death. And then Jesus tells Peter that he will deny him three times before the rooster crows that day. See, Jesus is doing all this before Peter knows even what's going to happen. And so it's later that night as Jesus stood before Pilate and the temple authorities that Peter stands in the courtyard where he's questioned by the servant girl of the high priest not once but twice and later he denies Jesus a third time. His fear got the best of him. He denied his Messiah, but friends, Jesus was not done with him. Peter's denial did not cut him off from the grace of Jesus. His denial did not cause him to be tossed aside. Jesus still had a plan for him. And the amazing grace of God is still available to him because he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew that God was working. And so God chose to replace Peter's fears with his faith through his grace. And so here's the story of grace, is that Peter's story doesn't end with his denial of Christ, does it? It doesn't end with him denying Jesus three times before the rooster crows in the courtyard of that home in Jerusalem. It doesn't end with him just watching Jesus hang on the cross and take his last breath. Peter's story ends in faith. And with a growing and widening faith in God that enabled him to spread the gospel of Jesus, even until his martyrdom and death. And in Peter, we see that our fears are never the final answer with God. See, friends, with God's, our fears cannot overwhelm us and cut us off from our faith. We may choose to pull away from our faith because of our fear, but I'm going to tell you that God is never going to cut you off if you have fear. Instead, God is going to enable you to look at your fear and to exchange your fear with a growing faith in Him. Because in Christ, fear is never the final answer. The final answer is faith. It's hope. It's forgiveness. It's grace. It's salvation. And friends, a faith in God is not a removal from fear. But what it is, is it's a dependence. And it's a rootedness that in faith, that God will keep us secured and anchored even if we feel like our fear may overpower and overwhelm us there's a reason jesus talked so much to the disciples about fear and about faith because he knew how hard it would be for us to stay the path to stay the course to stay focused on what's most important and not to be like peter when we're walking on the water to get so distracted by the doubt the wind the waves whatever it is where we take our eyes off him and to where we sink because of our not because of our lack of faith but because we get focused on the fear that's around us so i want to end it today with a verse that jesus said to the disciples where he says truly i tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing 
will be impossible for you.